want to take this moment to, to put aside everything else that's going on in our lives or everything that's distracted us. And we want to see you. We want to we recognize what you've done and what you are doing. So, Lord, I pray that you would illuminate, that you would open our eyes, that you would reveal to us your love, your grace. Reveal to us what you're speaking to us, how you're guiding us. Lord, may we not spend another moment in this, this service focused on ourselves, but just entirely surrender to you. Lord, may you speak to us. May we respond in obedience and worship and love. And may you be honored and glorified in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Please have a seat. The reading today is from Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Thank you, Anita. Appreciate that. How's everyone doing today? All right, there's a whole group of kids in the back that are just waiting. You guys can go. Run away. Don't run away. Don't run away. You're going downstairs to learn. Learn about Jesus. So don't, don't run away. That's poor verbiage on my part. Well, thank you guys so much for being here today. My name is uh, Ruben Marlowe. I'm pastor here, fairly new pastor. So uh, if I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you. And if I've met you a couple times working on names, I'm sorry, you know, just be patient with me. Um, uh, if, you're, if you're here, you're visiting, uh, there's a, a card in front of you, uh, that hopefully, um, that just, uh, uh, it, if you just fill it out, it, you turn that into the offering box in the back. Offering box in the back is it's for uh, those of us that are part of uh, this church, this congregation that want to support the work that God is doing for growing his kingdom. And uh, so if you're part of this church and you're a part of God's kingdom, then I'd invite you to support the work that God is doing as he has called you and leads you. Um, but if you're a visitor, there's a card in front of you. If you could fill that out and just uh, drop that off in the box there. That just helps me especially be able to reach out and get to know you and uh, find out how we can serve you and how you can be a part of uh, the work that God is doing here. So um, love to have you fill that out. Um, today we're in the book of Matthew chapter number 28. And before we really get into this, <coughs> before we get into this, I should get something to keep me from going nuts. But all right. Um, we've been we've been looking at kind of the mission statement of of Living Hope Church. And uh, and and the first word in our mission statement, I don't know if we can throw that slide up first real quick, JT. I, 
I don't know if it's in the beginning. There we go. The first word in there is serve. Um, and, and we as a church, part of what we're called to do is to serve. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, that's one of the primary things that we should be doing is we should be serving, serving our God and serving others. And then the second word is share. And I'm not very fast at going through things, so we're still talking about share. And, and uh, really, this, this idea of sharing, you know, I want to look at kind of two aspects of it today. Um, but before we can move on from what this word is, uh, we have to look at this passage in Matthew chapter number 28. Now, we could have gone to different passages. Uh, Mark and Luke also give uh, this exhortation. And so we could have gone to some of these other passages. We could have gone to the beginning of Acts when Jesus says that we'll be his witnesses. Um, but, you know, ultimately what I want us to recognize, no matter which passage we're looking at this from, is that we have a responsibility of, as Jesus' followers uh, to share what Jesus has done. Uh, this is, we call it a commission, um, we could call it a command, we could call it um, ascending, like whatever we want to call it. But for every one of us that follows Jesus Christ, there, we have the responsibility to share with others the gospel. Gospel is just a fancy word for good news. And really, when we think about the good news, what better news is there than the fact that our God, who loved us, uh, became a man, he, he lived a life Without sin, he lived a perfect life. He, uh, he laid his life down in our place. He died on the cross. He was buried, uh, but then he rose again. He died in our place, and he's offered salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. He's offered us life with our God, our creator, um, and that's through the work that Jesus Christ has done. So that's what we're supposed to share. And so I want us to look at this passage, and I want us to talk about this. Because as we approach this passage and as we approach our life, we have this responsibility, we have this command from God to share this gospel, this good news, what Jesus has done. We have this responsibility to do this, as we're going to look at, but, but it's not always easy, right? When, when we look around us, we look at our community, we look at our, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's easier we're going to talk about Operation Christmas Child at the end and, and opportunities. And sometimes we have easy opportunities where it doesn't take a lot from us. But then there's things like our family. Man, how do we share the gospel with family, right? Man, it's not always easy. We, we find easy opportunities. We want to take those and use them. But, man, there's some hard ones too. And, and really... Jesus' followers here are, are really going to be, like, they're going to be sent out by God, but they're actually faced with some uncertainty. If we, I, I know I didn't put it in your notes there uh, to look at, starting in verse number 16, but if you look there in verse number 16 in Matthew, it says, The eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> uh you know, I, I read one commentator, and he's all like, well, obviously it's not the 11, because they've seen Jesus alive after his death, so it couldn't be just one of the 11 that's doubting. It had to be one of the multitude of Jesus' disciples, because, uh, you know, Jesus, he shows up to uh, people who had followed him at different times, and uh, at one time, he even showed up to 500 of them all at once, right? And so, like, Jesus was showing up in his resurrected form to his followers, but... I don't know. I, th 
I'm not sure I, ha- I have to agree with the commentator. Because when I read this passage, it says there's 11 disciples. And they go apart. And they're staring at the resurrected Savior. And when I say resurrected, I mean like literally they watched Jesus die. They saw his body being taken and buried. And then they saw him walking, talking, eating food, right? Like touching them. Like these are not things that dead people normally do, right? Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And yet, the things that God calls us to aren't always easy. And there's some hard things in it. And what Jesus is about to give them is a really hard thing to do. What Jesus has called us to do, uh, our responsibility as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's hard. It's daunting. There's, I mean, if we look around the room and then we look at Green River, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Right? And so there's uncertainty. They're facing some uncertainty. And I wanted to look at this passage because Jesus, he sandwiches the command and the commission between two things that are really meant to give us a lot of hope and peace. Jesus gives this command, this commission to go make disciples. Okay? Now, uh, we're going to get to the notes in a minute and and we're going to, you know, talk about what that looks like. But I want to mention, first of all, um, that there's one command here, okay? If you you actually break down, like, the, the, if you, uh, who was I telling this? I was telling someone the other day, but I've never diagrammed a sentence, right? Like, the actual, like, diagramming it where you draw lines and stuff, and I've never actually had to do that. Uh, You know, I've had to go through and label everything, right? Like, I had to, I did English, right? But like, you know, I never did the actual drawing it, right? But like if we diagrammed the sentence and we, we looked at, th- there's active things that, are, there's active commands in this, sen- this, this passage for us. There, there's things like go and, and uh, make and teach and baptize, right? There's things we do, but really if we look at this, it's one command, make disciples. The command for us is to make disciples disciples and really before we before i can even move on to anything else we kind of have to ask what's a disciple right how many of you like literally like i like participation right by a raise of hand in your daily life outside of talking about faith religion jesus have you ever used or heard used the word disciple Julie, where, where have you heard that used in a non-religious circumstance? Yeah? Yeah. It's not commonly used, right? It, you know, maybe we would call it like an apprentice. Right. Like in general, this this word disciple has a very um, it has a religious overtone. Right. And that's largely because of uh, history. Right. But even in Jesus's day, it had a largely religious overtone. Right. Like be 
disciples were disciples of like rabbis. Rabbis are who would teach the law. And then they would have apprentices who would learn from them. So Paul, uh, while his name was still Saul, was an apprentice. He was a disciple of Gamaliel, one of the most famous rabbis of the time, right? And so, so like, there's this religious apprenticeship, right? There, there's this idea of learning, right? A disciple is a learner, okay? Like, if you look at what the word means, it, it means learner, okay? But, like, as a disciple, you're, you're, you're trying to learn from someone. And, and really what Jesus does is he takes this to kind of an extreme level where it's not just, like, learning what I say, but it's, like, becoming like Jesus, and really, in the, uh, uh, the, the religious apprenticeships of the rabbis, it, this was true then, right? Paul, when he references the fact that he was an apprentice of uh, Gamaliel, like that gave him authority because now they know that he knows what Gamaliel knows and he says what Gamaliel says, right? Like when we say we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, suddenly it's not about what I know, it's about what Jesus knows. Because everything I know, I've learned from Jesus. Because everything I am, I've gotten from Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means that we actually learn what our life is from Jesus. The, the things that we say, the things that we speak, the way that we live, the things that we're supposed to do, the way that God's created us, what God has designed us for. We've learned all this. We're learning all this from Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says, go and make disciples, it gets rid of a lot of, well, sometimes what we see in the world today, right? You know, Jesus didn't say, go and make sure people pray a prayer. Jesus didn't say, go and make sure people know that God loves them. No, he said, go make disciples. Listen, it's not enough for us to just know that God loves us. That's good. We need to know that. It's not enough. We have to, we have to learn who we are from God. We have to follow him. Literally, the example of Jesus, if we want, uh, I, I love in the book of John how it describes this. And, uh, you know, John uh, uh, he, Jesus is he's gathering his disciples, right? He, he's picking different people to be his disciples. He's, he's calling different people to be his disciples. And, and some of the verbiage he uses, like things like, you know, uh, the, the first ones that started following him, like they saw him get baptized, and then they just started following him. <laughs> it's the greatest story. Like I just get the picture, like, you know, I, I don't know, like maybe I'm, God is amazing, and he's sacred, and he's perfect, and he's holy. But, like, I get this picture of, like, you know, a mother duck and the little ducklings following. Like, Jesus, like, he gets baptized. They hear the voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Like, this is God. Like, I don't understand what's going on, but something's going on here. And then he starts walking away, and they're just like, well, I guess we follow him. And they just start following him. And then Jesus, like, turns around. He's like, what do you want? And they're like, where do you live? <laughs> what? And, and then Jesus says, come and see. And that's, 
Jesus offers an invitation to us to be his disciples, to literally just follow in his footsteps, to come and see who he is, to come and see what he's created us to be. It's an open invitation for us to follow in his footsteps. John writes this uh, in, in one of his epistles. He says that we should live the way just as he lived. We should love just as he loved. This is what it means to be a disciple. And when we're called to make disciples, we're not called to just, listen, we share the gospel. We need to share the gospel. We need to proclaim it. We need to be a city on a hill that is just showing and sharing through everything that we do that God has made a way for us to have the life he created us for. But we are not calling people to just a, a verbal assent of that. We are called as God's creation to follow him, to learn from him, to become like him, though we will never be him. I'm trying to teach that to my kids right now. Okay, what makes God God? Well, he has no beginning. We have a beginning. Okay, great. God is holy. We're not. Like, I mean, he tells us to be holy, but obviously, like, it's not the same, right? It's a hard concept to get. We will never be God. But we are called to bear his image, to reflect his glory. So a disciple, he's one who learns from and follows Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been called to make, called to make disciples. And Jesus, Jesus sandwiches this command to make disciples between two things that really are meant to give us hope and peace. First thing he says, verse number 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, listen, the command is given after we recognize that Jesus has the authority. Not us. I have no authority. Listen, I don't get to tell you how your life is supposed to be lived. I don't get to tell you what God created you for. Jesus did that. And when I speak what he says, like, I, listen, you can reject me all you want. Are you rejecting him? See, it's, it's based off of Jesus' authority that we make disciples. The way that we live our lives, like, listen, listen, we live in a day and age where, where everyone's offended by absolutely everything. And Jesus, is, uh, in, Jesus in his high priestly prayer, uh, he recognizes, like, that we're, his followers are not rejected because of us. Sometimes we are. Like, we should be careful not to be offensive, right? Like, some of us, like, you know, we can calm down a little bit, right? Like, I'm speaking to myself, right? Like, sometimes, like, I start talking a lot, a lot, and then I'm like, oh, oh, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm just still talking, right? So, like, we can be offensive. But listen, when people reject Jesus, sometimes it looks like they're rejecting us. And if, if what we're preaching is just us, then yeah, we've got no authority to speak. But Jesus has given us a command, and as we follow him and we accept that we do what he tells us to do, then we have to listen to his authority. And the things that we proclaim and the things that we preach 
has to be what he's preached. And he preached to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's based off of his authority, not ours. So that should give us peace. That should give us some hope, right? As we go out and as we think about how do we share the gospel, how do we, how do we share something that people are openly rejecting and openly hating and openly trying to suppress, how do we do that? Well, number one, it's his authority. Authority, like literally he's got the power to do it. I don't have the, the power. Now, he's given us authority that comes from him, right? Like, he has sent us out, but we don't go out on our own. We go out under his authority, under his power. And there's something really freeing about, like, doing this under his power, because guess what? If it's his power and his authority, if it doesn't work, whose fault is it? Now, there's things we're responsible for. I'm, again, like, we can be offensive, right? Like, we can, we can be apathetic. We can, we can hide and treasure. And we can be, like, Jesus gives these examples of these people that are given things by God, and then they go and hide it in a field. And then the master's like, why? And, and like, actually, they're condemned for that. Like, God has given us responsibility, but it's all under his power and authority, if it's under his power and authority, that means the results aren't, aren't up to us. I'm only responsible for being obedient to what God has told me to do. So it should give us some peace and hope to know that it comes from po God's power and authority. But then also look at the last phrase there. He says, he gives the command, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to serve all things that I've commanded you. And then he gives this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what gives me a lot of hope and peace as I consider the command and the responsibility that God has given me to make disciples? God is with me. The presence of God that's what gives me hope and peace. What, what gives me hope and peace in moving, I don't even know how many hundred miles, to a brand new place I've never been, to a bunch of people that are, seem really awesome, but I don't know you guys, right? Like, how can I, how can I be, ex like, I mean, new beginnings can be exciting, but, like, how do I have this confident expectation that the work that God has called me to will be accomplished? How do I have that living hope we talked about last week? Because God is with me. I mean, the words of the, the 23rd Psalm just ring through, right? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That was not an allusion to Green River, okay? I'm sorry. That, that's, I know that was not meant to be an exact, okay. But, like, I mean, it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what we're going into. It doesn't matter the command that God has given us, the, the burden and the responsibility to be obedient. None of, that, none of that overrides the truth that God is with us. And if we are going in the power and authority of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is with us, then what are we afraid of? 
Literally, like, let's think about this. The disciples watched Jesus die. This is the guy they thought was going to kill the Romans. And instead, the Romans killed him. But instead, Jesus defies their expectations. And Jesus conquers death. He wasn't worried about the Romans. He had a much bigger enemy he's fighting. And they watch the resurrected Jesus speak. They they watch him touch them and love them and call them to something greater. And yet there's still doubt. There's still doubt. Because Jesus has told them, and Jesus has told them what's coming. And that I believe that there's an understanding that Jesus isn't always going to be there. Man, it... it we can have a lot of hope and peace and strength and confidence and bravado when Jesus is standing right next to us. These are the same disciples that are going to watch him go up in the air. How do you have hope and peace and faith and when the one who can conquer death isn't with you? What we have to recognize is that God is with us. See, sometimes there's a part of me that's, that's questioning, why did God go up in heaven? Do you know how easy sharing the good news would be if I could say, all I got to do is go get a plane ticket, go to Jerusalem, and go see this guy. He'll tell you everything. That'd be so easy, right? God has a better way. instead of Jesus in one place instead what he has is he has millions of his followers that he is present with right when he told uh, told his disciples in Acts chapter number one that you will receive the Holy Spirit that it is God himself who lives inside his followers and listen it's not a physical representation of who God is But it is God present with us. And we are the hands and feet of God in this world. And we are called to go make disciples. We are commanded to go make disciples. And the way we battle doubt is we recognize that the power and authority comes from Jesus. And he is with us. We gain that faith and that confidence no matter what we face not in trying harder but in trusting in abiding the book of hebrews talks about this idea of abiding it's it's the craziest like it, if you want if you want to be confused a little bit like go read the book of hebrews like read the whole thing cuz it, hopefully it won't be confusing if you go through it but like Man, he's all talking about, hey, you can rest. You can rest in God, and you can enter this rest. And, you know, God's doing all this work because it's by his power and his authority. And, and it, you know, it's rest to follow Jesus the way he's designed it. So work really hard to enter that rest. And you're like, wait a second. I have to work really hard to find rest. Well, this is, this is our human paradigm. This is, oh, I'm going to try harder. No. Trust God. Listen, when God reveals to you what you're not doing, listen to that. 
stop trying so hard. You become obedient when you listen. You're disobedient when you ignore it. Learning to listen and obey the voice of God, that's what it means to be a disciple. Man, the voice of God himself with us, speaking to us, guiding us. I don't know. I don't know how. we would recognize what God did in our, our worship service while we were singing Amazing Grace. If you would recognize what God was speaking in that moment. That's how you begin to follow God. But if you sit here and you can't even see what God's doing. You don't even know God's with us. God is present. There's nothing that we can face that a God who can conquer death is afraid of. We're given a command, but it's sandwiched between these, these things that are meant to give us hope. Jesus saw the doubt of his disciples and he said, listen, it's by my authority and I'm going with you. That's how we make disciples. So I want to give us some essentials, some practical tips of what it actually means. How do we, how do we practically, understanding what we've just talked about, as we look at this command that Jesus gives us, how do we practically make disciples? And the first thing I want to say is how do we be a good disciple? We, we actually have to be following Jesus Way before, or not way, like, let me, let me clear that up, okay? Um, what's my first point here? I'm trying to recognize, okay. First thing there, uh, I'm sorry, I just got a little jumbled. Let me, let me try to be clear in what I'm saying. Sometimes we get this idea in our heads that we have to be qualified to make disciples. And what I want you to know is there's only one qualification to make disciples. And that's be a disciple. That's the only qualification. I get paid. I dedicate my life to studying I can't be the only disciple maker in this. I can't be the only one that's trying to reach Green River and share the gospel. That's not God's design. Let's think about if, if the design was a single person, Jesus wouldn't have left. The design is the church. The, the, the local gathering of people who follow Jesus we all, as disciples, are commanded to make disciples. So what qualifies you to make disciples? You have to be a disciple. So how do we be a good disciple? And the first thing I have for us there is just that we trust that Jesus is present. 
We trust that Jesus is present. We recognize that he is here. Again, I don't want to re-speak about something I just talked about, but like, how do we be a good disciple? Well, we have to actually listen. We have to open our eyes. We have to trust. How do we be a good disciple? We trust in Jesus. And then we share our lives with Jesus. We share our lives. There, there's a perspective here of how Jesus discipled his disciples. That's how I want us to think about what it means to be a disciple. There's a, oh man, it's probably, I'm getting old, so it's probably really old now, but there's, I don't even know who did it, and I'm not, like, if it comes out like it's really bad or something, like, you know, I don't know who he was or anything. But there's this, this guy who did this uh, play. It's called St. John in Exile. Has anyone ever seen that? No? Okay, sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's great. St. John in Exile, the, it, it's, it's the reminiscing of an old apostle, one of the people, the, the first 11 that followed Jesus, who then got sent out by God and turned the world upside down. And, and John, you know, he's, you know, all of the disciples were martyred, and, and John's like the last one living, and he's actually been in prison. They tried to kill him. Tradition says they like boiled him in, in tar, and, and he didn't die. And so like, they're like, okay, we can't kill him. So they just exiled him to this island, right? And so on this prison island, uh, he, he writes these letters to his, his, his churches, to his friends, and then God shows up and speaks to him and reveals to him uh, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, not just as a past Messiah, not just as a future Messiah for, for Israel, but as the king of all creation. And in showing who Jesus is, like we get this, this beautiful or scary picture sometimes of the end of the world. But for those of us who follow Jesus, it's not really that scary. It's kind of exciting, right? Yes, Jesus, the king of all creation, is going to make everything right. And that's what John gets. And I'm, I'm explaining way too much. But St. John in, in exile, it's this guy who just gives this, it, like, it's like a three-hour play with one guy on the stage the entire time. And, and he just sits there and he talks. But I've always thought, the way that guy talked about what it was like to spend three years living with Jesus. You know, sometimes we get this idea uh, of Jesus. How many of you have ever seen those pictures of, with Jesus and little kids? Right? Like, I don't, my hair's not long enough and my beard's probably too long, but like, like he's got a child on his lap and he's just, right, no emotion. And, like, there's reasons for this. Like, I don't want to mock, right? Like, there's reasons. Like, we don't want to ascribe things to Jesus that he didn't do, right? And so, like, you know, like, artists for a long time have tried to present Jesus as open so that then Jesus can speak to us whatever he wants and reveal to us who he is, right? So, like, there's reasons to it. But sometimes we get that picture in our head and Jesus, is, it's sterile, it's, it's, it's plain, it's, like, it's just a picture, right? And... The picture of who Jesus is is he walked and talked with his disciples for three years. Like there's one point in this, this play where uh, he's singing this song and, and he's like, oh, it's so funny. One of the disciples, he was singing it and he tripped and he fell in a pile of manure, right? And he's just like laughing because it's everyday life for them. 
They spent three years living everyday life with Jesus. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to actually share your life with Jesus. Don't think that sharing your life with Jesus involves Sunday morning. It involves your entire life. If God is present with you, it doesn't matter where you're going, he's present with you. Stop hiding and and closing off rooms in your heart. Stop stop trying to partition your your sacred and your holy and and, and the secular and the, the regular stuff we do. Jesus, he gets this stuff and this is what I get. No, 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 no. Live your life with Jesus. How do you be a good disciple? You give Jesus complete control of your entire life. You learn what makes them happy. You learn what makes them sad. You learn what is exciting for him. And you learn what's disappointing for him. Listen, God is a person. He's not a picture. He's not an essence. He's not some something. He's a person. He has likes and dislikes. And God, just as a person, we should be developing a relationship with him. And you only do that through sharing your life with him. How do you be a good disciple? You have to recognize he's present. You have to share your life with him. And then you have to learn. You have to learn from Jesus. One of the most amazing things about our God is that he has not left us to our own devices. He has spoken to us. God has spoken. And there's there's ways that we need to be learning about our God. There's ways that God has made it for us to learn about him. God has revealed to us who he is and, and he's shown us through the pages of this book, what he likes and what he doesn't like. This is not always a mystery. Listen, there's things in our world that like don't show up in here. Like, does God like a cell phone? Man, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't find a verse on that one, right? But listen, we can find out the character of our God through the pages of this book. We actually have to learn about our God, not as I want him to be, and not as how other people tell him but from what he has said. God has spoken to you. God is showing you who he is. And if you're going to follow him, you have to actually like know him. He also is present with us. Let's not forget that point, right? And if he's present with us, then yeah, it doesn't, our phone, does God like the phone or not? Well, I'm convinced it's just an object. But God speaks to me when I use it incorrectly. God speaks to me when I worship it. God speaks to me when I place this above him. It's trash. It's just an object. God cares about our hearts. And we need to listen to him. We need to learn from him. We need to be a good disciple. And all of this is tied with the command to make disciples.
We need to follow Jesus. We need to be a good disciple. We need to learn from him. And then how do we make disciples? I'm going to give you some hints. We just talked about these things. It's really similar. How do we make disciples? Let's look at the command, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Number one, we have to trust that Jesus has authority. How do we make disciples? We trust in the power of God. Not in our power. We trust in the power of God. We don't go on my whims and when it feels good, when it feels right, we go because he is leading. Because he has told us to. And because he's going to do the work. How do we make disciples? We trust that Jesus has the authority. And then number two, we have to share our lives with others. When, when I think about this word share and it being in our mission statement, how is this, like, like I think there's multiple ways we can take it. And I want us to recognize we have to share the gospel. We have to share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. We have to share what Jesus has said and what he has done. But we also have to share our lives. We have to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And we have to come alongside other people who don't know God. Don't know what God's created them for and created them to be. And we have to invite them into our lives. We have to we have to, you know, sometimes they're not just like little ducklings following us around where we just like, oh, you want to follow, right? Like sometimes like we have to go out and find them and be like, hey, do you want to follow Jesus? We have to actually like invite people. I love that the first question they asked him was, where do you live? Man, invite some people into your home. Invite some people into your life. Share with people. Live life with people. Listen, we're talking to the extremes of people who don't know Jesus. And I'll be honest, the next word we're going to look at, this also involves those that do know Jesus. We in this building, we as followers of Jesus Christ need to share our lives with each other. We could... I haven't ever done it, but it'd be an interesting study to go through the New Testament and see all the one another's, love one another, encourage one another, exert one, exhort one another, right? Confess your faults to one another, right? These, these are the things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share our lives with each other. Paul said it this way. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said it. Uh, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We need to share our lives with others so that others can see that I'm following God. That's how we can make disciples. We trust that the power and the authority comes from Jesus. We share our lives with others. And then we teach them. We teach others about Jesus. This is an important point. We are not just teaching them our opinions. We're teaching them what, look, look at this. I want to I be clear in this, right? So the command, go make disciples of all n the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe 
all things that I have commanded you. We don't, first of all, get to pick and choose what we teach other people. Oh, God loves you. That's it. No, 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 we don't pick and choose. God said a whole lot more than just that he loves us. He does. Absolutely wonderful truth. We need to share that. But he said more than that. He's revealed to us how we can actually have life with him. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We say what God says. And listen, it's number one, all of what he said. And number two, not just what we think. That's not just our opinions. Listen, I, I have opinions. You hear a lot of my opinions. I'm a, I feel like I'm an open book, right? Like, if you want my opinion on something, come ask me. Like, I m- may share, I may not. Like, I have opinions about things. But we should be very, very careful that we're not teaching other people that God said something that's just my opinion. What we are making disciples of, disciples of Jesus. We share our life. Not so that other people can become me, so that other people can become like God. Become like Jesus. To love him. To be what he created them to be. So we have this command to make disciples. We have this encouragement that God is the power and the authority, and he's present with us. And so my prayer for our church, my prayer for you this week, is that, first of all, that you would try to be seek surrender yourself to be a good disciple that you would actually allow God to speak into your life that you would listen to him and then as we individually wherever we go we didn't talk about this too much but that phrase go therefore this go it's it's not a command that you you know you go over there right like but it's as we go while we are following Jesus while we are living our life because we've recognized what God has done, whatever we do in our lives, we make disciples. So I'd ask that we pray and we begin to listen as God leads us. Where is God allowing us to share our lives with someone else where we can begin to make a disciple for Jesus Christ? This is our prayer. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come to you today and I'm thankful for your words and your command. But I'm also extremely thankful that your command is not without the assurance of your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would guide us. And when I say this, that, uh, that you would open our eyes, show us the work that you are doing. And, Lord, as we obey you, as we proclaim what you have done, Lord, we pray for you to do great and mighty things. You are the God of the impossible. You've conquered death. And we recognize that no matter what we're facing, you have power and authority over it. So, Lord, lead where we cannot do what we cannot and be honored and glorified in all that happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, I'm going to give some announcements real quick because one of the things I want to give an announcement on is a way that we can share, right? So this is Operation Christmas Child. This is a a little shoebox, and there's some of these out in the the lobby. And so what these are is uh, Operation Christmas Child. Uh, it's a part of Samaritan's Purse Ministries, and what they we what we do is we take this 
And we fill it up with some stuff. There's some papers back there with how you can fill it, um, some toys and like uh, some utensils, things that uh, people can use. And then uh, these are taken and given to uh, children in need throughout the whole world, right? Um, it's not just uh, across the seas, like it's, it's on this continent too, right? People in need, they're given this box. And what's really cool about this box is like this box is given by a believer of Jesus Christ. And it is not just given with stuff in it. The stuff in it's pretty good, hopefully. You're going to fill it, right? But as, as it's given, it's given by a believer who's also going to be trying to make disciples. And they give curriculum, and there's a church that they connect people to where they can go and hear about what Jesus has done for them. So this is a, a, a tangible way where we can share with other people that God loves them, that God has made a way for them to have life with him. And so this, uh, it's, it's, it's fairly sterile. It, there's, there's just a little packaging thing in there that you'll, you can fill out. But uh, there's information on what you can do to fill it up. And then you, you bring it back here November 19th. November 19th um, is when we're going to take these all back. And then we'll take them to a, a, a another place where they'll, they'll ship them across the, the, the world, right? And, uh, and you're supposed to bring, I think, five bucks for shipping uh, in it. So this is a, a great way. I'll be honest, uh, uh, it's something that's been really good for my family. Uh, we take four of them, and each kid fills a box for another kid. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it's a way during the holiday season to make sure that we're, we're not teaching our kids that everything's about them, right? There's other people in the world that actually are in need. So it's a cool way to do that. So uh, th those are out there, and that just gives us a few weeks um, and that's uh, international. And I know Casey talked about here locally. Where you want to mention that? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. So that's a great way locally that we can do a very similar thing. So thanks, Casey. Um, and then other things we got. Uh, Bible study is Sunday nights at 6. I apologize. Um, I don't see him here. Someone showed up on Wednesday. The Bible study is on sa Sundays at 6 o'clock. Um, I think Steve and Anita are going to be gone today, but we'll still be here. We may not move on in your book. We might just like discuss uh, a passage separately. Um, but we'll, we'll have a Bible study tonight at 6. And then youth group is Wednesday nights uh, at 6 o'clock. I believe we might still want some more people to help with um, meals. And so if you can do that. Um, I don't see Justin, but Emily's here. So I'm going to, you can go talk to Emily. How's that sound? She's glaring at me now. Oh, I got a thumbs up. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right, JT, would you mind praying for us as we dismiss?